Hey everybody, this is part two of our Cybernetics and Labor series. It is one of our Patreon episodes, so this is going to be a preview. If you'd like the whole thing, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. It is the only way that we get any funding for the show, and we really, really appreciate it. So uh, if you want to check out the rest of this, I mean, it's a really interesting conversation, and uh, I've actually kind of left in one of the one of the best parts uh, that uh, I think you'll really like. So enjoy the preview. Solidarity. For the purposes of our show, I think it would be most effective to be as blunt as possible in showcasing the personal, professional, and technical contributions to labor by Norbert Wiener. And to this end, I would like to focus on a letter which he wrote to Walter Ruther and the UAW in 1949, which I believe contains the most digestible and accessible nuggets of his personality and wisdom, specifically tailored to listeners of our show. Wow, we're getting to the labor part uh, three quarters of the way through the second episode in the series. We're doing well. <laughs> it's fine. It's, <laughs> no, it's no, awesome. I'm not, I'm not complaining. People love a long detour to get back to where they were going. Um, this right. is called the scenic <laughs> route, uh, friends. Okay, so um, letter to Walter Ruther in the UAW. South Tamworth, August 13th, 1949. Addressed to Walter Ruther at the UAW, Detroit, Michigan. Dear Mr. Ruther... First, I should like to explain who I am. I am professor of mathematics at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and I am the author of the recently published book, Cybernetics. As you will see, if you know of this book, I have been interested for a long time in the problem of automatic machinery and its social consequences. These consequences seem to me so great that I have made repeated attempts to get in touch with the labor union movement and to try to acquaint them with what may be expected of automatic machinery in the near future. This situation has been brought to a head by the fact that I have been approached recently by one of the leading industrial corporations with the view to advising them as to whether to go into the problem of making servo mechanisms, that is, artificial control mechanisms as part of their extended program. Technically, I have no doubt what direction my advice should take. My technical advice would be to construct an inexpensive, small-scale, high-speed computing machine, together with adequate apparatus for putting the readings of photoelectric cells, thermometers, and other instruments into the machine as numerical data and for putting numerical output data into the motion of shafts and other output apparatus. The position of these output shafts should be monitored by proper sense organs and be put back into the machine as part of the information on which it is to work. The detailed development of the machine for a particular industrial purpose is a very skilled task, but not a mechanical task. It is done by what is called taping the machine in the proper way, much as present computing machines are taped. This apparatus is extremely flexible and susceptible to mass production and will undoubtedly lead to the factory without employees, as, for example, the automatic automobile assembly line. In the hands of the present industrial setup, the unemployment produced by such plants can only be disastrous. I would give a guess that a critical situation is bound to arise under any condition in some 10 to 20 years, but that if war should make the replacement of labor mobilized into the services an immediate necessity, we should probably have a, con a concentrated effort put into this work which might well lead to large-scale industrial unemployment within two years. <laughs> uh, I do not wish personally to be responsible for any such state of affairs. I have therefore turned down unconditionally the request of the industrial company, which has tried to consult me. However, it is manifestly not enough 
to take a negative attitude on this. If I do not put this information in the hands of the industrialists, it is merely a question of time when so obvious a method of procedure will be urged upon them by other people. Therefore, the procedure which I shall follow depends finally upon whether I can get you and the labor interests you represent to pay serious attention to this serious situation. I have tried to do this in the past without success, and I do not blame you people for it. But since then, there has been a turnover in personnel among you, and the present group of labor leaders seem to have transcended the point of view of the shop to a sufficient extent to make it worthwhile for me to make an appeal to you again. What I am proposing is this. First, that you show a sufficient interest in the very pressing menace of the large-scale replacement of labor by machine on the level not of energy, but of judgment to be willing to formulate a policy towards this problem. In particular, I do not think it would be at all foolish for you to steal a march upon the existing industrial corporations in this matter, and while taking a part in production of such machines to secure the profits in them to an organization dedicated to the benefit of labor. It may be, on the other hand, that you think the complete suppression of these ideas is in order. In either case, I am willing to back you loyally and without any demand or request for personal returns in what I consider will be a matter of public policy. I wish to warn you, however, that my own passiveness in this matter will not, on the face of it, produce a passiveness in other people who may come by the same ideas, and that these ideas are very much in the air. If you wow. determine... I know he's so blunt. Uh, <laughs> Continuing, if you determine that the matter does not deserve your serious consideration, you will leave me in a very difficult position. I do not wish to contribute in any way to selling labor down the river, and I am quite aware that any labor which is in competition with slave labor, where, whether the slaves are human or mechanical, must accept the conditions of work of slave labor. For me, merely to remain aloof is to make sure that the development of these ideas will go into other hands, which will probably be much less friendly to organized labor. Under these circumstances, I should probably have to try to find some industrial group with as liberal and honest a labor policy as possible and put my ideas in their hands. I must confess, however, that I know of no group which has at the same time a sufficient honesty of purpose to be entrusted with these developments and a sufficiently firm economic and social position to be able to hold these results substantially in their own hands. As much as things change, they stay the same. Continuing, I have a book, The Human Use of Human Beings, which will be forthcoming with Houghton Mifflin next spring, which will bring these ideas to a head. If you so wish, I shall send you copies of the relevant chapters. Naturally, I do not expect you to take these matters on my momentary say-so. If you show sufficient interest to be willing to push the matter further, I shall be glad to put my ideas both technical and social at your disposal so that you will be able to judge them better. Sincerely yours, Norbert Wiener, Department of Mathematics, MIT, Cambridge 39, Massachusetts. This and guy's really listener, cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the UAW listened to Norbert Wiener, and and that's why the UAW has 10 million members today. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, though, because like he didn't make a single prediction in this letter that didn't come true, except when he said they might get to the factory without workers in two years. That was well, a crazy thing to say, Norbert. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I do actually think that and a few aspects of this are places where I would be a little critical of him uh and it's from the angle of political economy because mm -hmm. on the technical angle he's right like and this is something that i think people like sometimes struggle with it's that like and, and him on this a little too which is that just because a job can be automated does not mean it will be 
uh, because, again, he correctly understands that the capitalist incentive, which drives the development of technology under capitalism, it's because, you know, in the same way that the ruling ideas are the ideas of any ruling class, thus the money invested by that class into the development of technology will be directed towards the maintenance of that class's position. Hence, it is, there is a lot of money put into automation, for sure. But the purpose there is always, it's not, the, automation itself is not the end goal. Profit is the end goal. Mm -hmm. And so if the threat of automation can be used to suppress wages cheaper than actually investing in that automation itself, then only the threat will be used because they can get the effect that they want for a cheaper uh, price. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, because the things that he, he nails so much in there, and I, I would have loved to have known if um, Harry Braverman who was a writer uh, who wrote this incredible book that I recommend everybody read called Labor and Monopoly Capital. The book, he was a, a worker who like went to night school and, and then like got his degree that way. And, and what his book was primarily about was the way that the relations of production under capitalism consistently trends towards the de-skilling and monotonization of human labor. And that's exactly what Wiener is pointing to here. And he's 100% correct. And, but that, though, is, again, one of the things that I think a, a stronger study of a materialist understanding of the capitalist system and Marxism specifically mm -hmm. with its historical basis would have helped because... Part of the reason they didn't go to the fully automated factory in two years, part of it is that the technology was not quite there. He was being rather optimistic. But in 1950, you can kind of understand why. The pace of technological change was far faster than it is today. And also, they hadn't tried a lot of this shit yet. All of these things were brand right. new, and they were just like high on the potentials of super science. Right. <laughs> but again, there's another part in there, though, where it's like the cheaper thing for the form of automation may not always and often isn't the complete replacement right. of a human being. What is often the cheapest way to use machinery to replace people is not to completely replace them, but to simply make their job much easier, mm -hmm. which you might think, oh, that sounds great. Except again, because the, the technology is dominated by capitalism, what that means is that primarily what a lot of automation technology has been used for is not to say, eliminate 50% of jobs at a factory or whatever. Maybe there's an elimination of 10%, but then another 40% of those jobs go from being a skilled trade, which mm -hmm. takes a ton of, of time to learn and, and is something that you can sort of self-actualize in, it, 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 and it gives the laborer a huge amount of value. Right. Turning that into, again, quote-unquote, unskilled labor, where you have somebody who is no longer a like performing the operation on the like commodity themselves but are primarily just monitoring and tending the machine sure well and that's such an interesting point and i think i think in part that's why i like wiener's letters so well because you can tell he's got a seed of that idea he's not just appealing to the uaw in this letter right he's not just saying like look you need to do something about this i'm willing to help if you want i won't ask for anything in return but he's also in the beginning of the letter he lays out in perfectly clear terms 
here's the technology. <laughs> this is right. what we should do. I'm trying to give you this information so that the labor union can be the ones who own and understand how the sausage is made and, and aren't just the button pushing de-skilled worker. Mm -hmm. They are the button pushing worker who also knows how the system came together and can fix it and can modify it to do something slightly different and, and all of the other things that come with that. And, but there's, and there's has a say in how it is used. Exactly. And is, and is a, and is an operator, right? Isn't just part of the machine. Isn't just one of the linkages of the machine that provides some kind of output data, but is actually a locus of decision in themselves mm -hmm. in how the, the, the machine or whatever system they're operating, it might be a managerial system. It might be a computer system, whatever is, is actually functioning in the world, but there's a missing part where, where, and I think political economy is a really astute uh, is a really astute way to to kind of congeal what he's missing here because and he he does even gesture towards it right he's like I don't know of an organization that is sufficiently committed to its principles and is fucking big enough and does enough shit because uh, you're either I too small that part was really interesting too like really recognizing the capacity of the UAW in comparison to other sorts of ideologically aligned, you know, labor or I mean like, you know, organizations in general. Right. Well, and this is something that we talk about all the time on this show when we talk about like reform movements within unions that are really large, for instance, and how fucking vital they are. Because mm -hmm. when you have a really big institution that has political power, that has economic leverage, that has, you know, staying power and has roots and has as people who are committed to it and are, and are accustomed to functioning within it. That's an amazing thing that should not be you know, thrown in the bin just because it's not doing the particular thing you want it to do now. And, you know, maybe there are some unions that should just be tossed in the bin because they're so fucking worthless. They've just become total company unions or whatever. But overwhelmingly, that is not the case, you know, except for maybe cop unions. Almost any union, I think, could 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 stand to be healthily reformed by, by the rank and file workers themselves.